0: Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. We have a great show for you today. It is cram-packed day. Not exactly the weekend Dodgers fans were looking for As far as the Los Angeles series with the Braves, great action on the farm. So, hey, a lot to get to today. But before we do, just a reminder, we are open for business. If you or you know somebody who has a business that would like to help sponsor Dodgers Daily, we are open for business. So, DM me, leave a comment, or you can email me at dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com. That's dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com, and I can give you all the pricing packages And we can go from there. Also, don't forget to leave a like, interact with this video, leave a comment, make sure that YouTube thinks that this is a video that is liked so it'll get suggested more, get more views, and we can keep growing and keep doing what we love to do, which is providing content like this in the future. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it, and let's talk Dodgers baseball. So overall thoughts on the series this weekend. I think there were a lot of positive takeaways. One being, hey, you know, the Dodgers, this is all about winning the World Series positioning for playoffs. You know, we saw the Dodgers go into Atlanta and win two out of three. Atlanta comes into L.A., wins three out of four. So is home field advantage really all that big of a deal in the playoffs? It really just comes down to a matter of hey, which team is hotter, which team is pitching better, at that particular moment, so whichever team can position themselves to be playing the best baseball whenever the national championship series comes around. let's hope that the Dodgers make it to the national champion a national league championship series, obviously, but it just simply comes down to who's playing better then. I don't think you can take away this weekend that that necessarily the Braves. Are a better team. I think you can you can definitely take away that they have a more sure starting rotation, especially if Julio Urias is going to continue to pitch like he did. Which, by the way, I'm just going to get this off my chest. Hey, man, every player hits rough patches. Every player, you know, they have times. This game of baseball is very, very, very hard. It's a game that that just knocks you down. It makes you keep getting back up. It, it hits you in the mouth. It's extremely difficult. There's a lot of negative outcomes that happen in baseball. It happens to every single player. And the more you play, the higher levels that, that you are you know exposed to that you have to perform in, the more that happens to you. I get all that. So the results for Julio Urias, hey, they are what they are. You know, it's it's in a it's a contract year for him. You know, he he's still a great pitcher. He's a guy that I would trust in a playoff setting. He's been there before. You know, so he threw the last out of the 2020 World Series. So the results part of it, yes, they are alarming. But but obviously, as a fan, that makes you just kind of root for Julio to kind of figure it out and be in his corner. But whenever you have negative type mannerisms and and you're just kind of giving off negative vibes, and then all of a sudden you don't back up home plate twice, that's the issues I had with y is coming out of all the frustrations you know hey my frustrations like i said aren't with the results this game is too hard for me to ever you know those are the times where you need to lift guys up not not get frustrated with them where my frustration again my only frustration with him i didn't feel like He handled his emotions. I think he let his emotions get to him to the point to where he then wasn't even doing, you know, the things that you're supposed to do as far as like hustling and backing up home plate and doing all those things, which hey, it didn't end up costing the Dodgers, which it could in the future. It didn't this time, but more so than anything. It's just a bad look. And this has been a team that has thrived on the next man up, you know, thrived on having just a tremendous culture. I've talked a couple of times how this team upgraded big time in the offseason from a culture perspective. And so to have those kind of vibes coming off from one of your best pitchers, it's just not a match to what this team is. So, you know, not a huge deal in an isolated setting, a situation where I think Dave brings them into the office one on one. They have just. Pretty much a casual conversation. It says, hey, man, we can't have this kind of, uh, you know, we can't have these kind of negative vibes. We can't have you not backing up home plate. You're, you're a professional. Let's get this figured out and let's move on. No big deal from that perspective. I think Julio, you know, he would take that with, uh, you know, as a professional and move on. And I think everybody, everything would be fine from there. But that frustrated me from that perspective. Lance Lynn didn't have a good outing. So, really, right now, you have – Clayton Kershaw, and then your next set of best pitchers at this moment are your rookies. So that's where you're, you're on a crash course with that going into the playoffs. Of course, Lance Lynn had been good until his last two outings. He give, He's given up, I believe, 11, 11 runs in the last two. We'll see how that goes. Hey, he can bounce right back. He's a professional. He's a bulldog. He has that dog mentality, so I would expect him to bounce back okay the offense Mookie Betts how about Mookie Betts being the player of the month and then James Outman being the rookie of the month that's very cool Mookie Betts a historic historic August the best offensive August in the history of Dodgers baseball he hit 455 OPS 1355 18 multi-hit games three games with three hits or more 11 home runs 30 RBIs. So hey, Mookie Betts took his normally great production and he just put it on steroids this map this past month in August. What a month he had. James Altman, congratulations on being the rookie. Uh, the rookie of the month. So he had the player of the month and the rookie of the month. Altman 277 for August. OPS 890. Four multi-hit games for James Albin. Five home runs, fifteen RBI. So it's great to see James Altman back on top of his game i've always talked about too that the most plug and play aspect of his game has always been his defense so it's great to see you know the the people and dodgers nation actually get to see throughout an entire year just how talented this guy is just how many things he does to win baseball games and to help win games and i'm proud of the dodgers for sticking with him through the thick and the thin, you know, and allowing him to have this entire year to show what he's capable of. So congratulations to James Alvin. So, hey, there were, you know, not everything losing three out of four. Uh, You know, I'm not going to rationalize that. But I do think, and I mentioned this with Coach Holt on Friday, one thing that I think is going to be a good thing for the Dodgers is the fact that I don't think they're going to have having the best record of the National League in their minds at all they're going to worry about the dodgers they're going to set themselves up for the playoffs and i think that's going to be a net positive for them you know because who's to say that having home field advantage through the playoffs is is something that you want anyways i know a couple people have mentioned that finishing second would probably give you the easiest path to the world series anyways hey and here's the thing you're going to have to beat the the braves one way or the other and we've seen like i said earlier in the show we've seen that the home field advantage has not mattered at all in this series this year so i think the silver lining is the dodgers are going to be able to focus on them and and stop trying to chase the braves which, like I said, will overall be a net positive. Offense, they scored seven, three, two, and three. So when you look at the overall numbers, not overly impressive, especially the last three games gotta give the Atlanta Braves pitching a lot of credit atlanta braves pitching stuff hey that's the difference between them and the dodgers right now but if you throw out a bobby miller if you throw out you know if lance lynn gets it figured out if julio yarias yarias turns in to julio yarias that we've always known and he starts shutting guys down ryan pepio has been fantastic all of a sudden that can look a lot different in a real 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 big hurry so hey and i'm going to get into the rookies here in a minute they have been simply fantastic for the Dodgers. Okay, so the offense overall, if you just take the, the overall numbers, didn't look great, especially the last three games. But hey, there are some trending up signs, especially with individuals. Will Smith, he was on, you know, a pretty extended one of his most extended periods of a rough patch that he's had in his career. He has definitely bounced back 300 in his last seven games for Will Smith. OPS over 800. So Will Smith playing good offense. Max Muncie, 292. You know we've always talked about Max Muncy, low average but high production in terms of uh, producing runs. Well, he's 292 in his last seven games. OPS 982, six RBIs for Max Muncy, or eight RBIs I should say. Jason Hayward, you know he got off to the good start, then he struggled for quite a bit of, of time. Hayward has been hitting very, very, very well as of late. Last seven games, Jason Hayward hitting 429. It's OPS, it's almost twelve hundred, and he has six RBI. So, you know, hey, I've kind of said it. It seems like the vibe of this team is with Peralta and left, Altman and center, Hayward and right, and then hey, all of your other guys just kind of fill in from there. It just seems like that's been the winning formula for the Dodgers this year. I don't have any research to back that up, and I could be totally wrong on that, but it just seems like when those three are in the outfield together that 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 tends to be the most successful Dodgers lineups. So, Jason Hayward has been playing very well. David Peralta, last 7 games, he's hitting 300 and his OPS is over 700. Chris Taylor has been hitting the baseball well as of late 284 in his last 7, OPS 880 and his last 15 games for Chris Taylor 297 OPS 916. So, although you only scored uh, eight runs in your last three games against the Braves—that's a pretty good chunk of your lineup. That's not even getting to Will Smith or Freddie Freeman, that are showing uptrends in their production. So hey, not all is lost. And again, there's there's some things. I don't think you just—I don't—and I don't like I said earlier. I don't think you just come out of this necessarily thinking the Braves are just that much better than the Dodgers. I think you come out of it with the realization that. Hey, you got some issues with your starting rotation. Let's take the rest of this month to figure it out, and let's go into the playoffs with the best guys that we have, the best scenarios we have, because, hey, it doesn't have to always be a starter. It doesn't have to be a starting pitcher that, you know, and Walker Buehler pitched yesterday. We'll get into that here in a minute in our Monday mailbag. So it doesn't always have to be any of that, as you know, because you could just match up a game like we've seen with a piggyback. Okay, the pitching. Emmett Sheehan, you know, hey, he struck out eight guys last year in the Arizona and the Arizona Fall League in a row, and then this year in the minor leagues, he struck out a hundred and two in sixty-three innings. I've said many different times, Emmett Sheehan's fastball might be the most explosive fastball. In the organization, with the, you know, touches nine, it touches, touches ninety nine, but it you know, it's consistently ninety seven, ninety eight, and it has that arm side run to it, so it has the ride and run. He's always been a high strikeout guy. It really wasn't translating the swing and miss to the major league level until recently okay but how about six strikeouts in his last performance for los angeles which was fantastic so the swing and miss has showed up for image sheen so there's one rookie bobby miller hey how about him he is turning into an ace seven innings just one run one walk three hits and five strikeouts Bobby Miller averaged 98.9 on both his four seam and his two seam. I've said several different times about Bobby Miller, he's at his best when he's not trying to throw the ball through a brick. He's at his best when he's he's hitting 98. You know, if he sits 98, that is his sweet spot because then he's in the zone more. He was in the zone over 60% of the time with his four seam, almost 60% of the time. With his two seam, so it becomes a very high strike efficiency pitch. And then also, it gives him more movement, especially on that two seam. So he's getting more movement and more strikes, which means he's in the zone more, which means he's ahead in the count more, which means then he's able to get to that devastating off-speed stuff that he has, his change-up, his curveball, his slider, which I've said also many times that, hey, his fastball isn't necessarily his best pitch. His off-speed stuff is great, but obviously everything centers around the fastball because when he's able to get ahead like he did yesterday in the count with his fastballs by throwing so many strikes... Then he's able to get really dirty with those off-speed pitches and really just kind of go fishing for a lot of swing and miss. So Bobby Miller was absolutely fantastic. The rookie pitchers recently combined between Michael Grove, Gavin Stone, Ryan Pepio, Bobby Miller, and Gus Varland. Check out these numbers. Between those guys, their ERA is just two eighty-one in their last 96 innings. Okay, so 92 strikeouts, 26 walks, just 78 hits. So if you take 96 innings, which I don't know if that would qualify right now, but if it did, okay, you're talking about a Cy Young winner. That's a pretty big sample size of, of work for those rookies. 96 innings, ERA just 281 in those 96 innings, 92 strikeouts. Just 26 walks, you know, which that's what almost a two and a half to one strikeout to walk ratio, 78 hits in 96 innings. That is some big time work from the rookie pitchers. That's why, hey, I've said you give these guys opportunity, you give them enough runway to get to get comfortable, this is the type of uh, performance that you're going to see. These guys are that talented in most situations. The rookies are actually more talented than your vets. It's just a matter of, hey, do you want to take that talent that hasn't like Coach Holt said on Friday, that hasn't been in the in the playoff environments yet? Do you trust that over the veteran type situation? But the rookies have absolutely shown you that at this point, you should trust them. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. 96 innings. We're not talking about, hey, a performance or two. We're talking about a bunch of different innings for a bunch of different guys. 96 innings, ERA 281, 92 Ks, 26 walks, just 78 hits. So the rookies have been absolutely fantastic as of late. So if it was me, it, would, it wouldn't bother me at all to throw those guys out there because, hey, you know, even if you don't win the World Series, if you give these guys that exposure in the playoffs, you let them get in front of the, the playoff crowd and, and feel that environment and the adrenaline. Hey, Bobby Miller, you know, you're talking about a guy that went to Louisville, College World Series settings, you know, and, and so not gonna bother him to to the point. I think it's actually gonna make him better because he's gonna use that adrenaline to, you know, amp everything up just a little bit. These are guys that I think We'll be able to handle the moment. So, hey, we'll see. But I wanted to throw those out there as far as the rookie numbers go and how well they have been pitching as of late. Okay, so that's pretty much my thoughts on the Dodgers and the Braves over the weekend. So, hey, it is Monday, so it's time for our Monday mailbag. So let's not waste more time. Let's get right to it. And let's get to our Monday mailbag. So it's Monday, so it's time for our Monday Mailbag. So question number one, all right, who gets the ball in game two of the playoffs? That's a great question and one that I think, first of all, you have to answer by starting by saying that Clayton Kershaw, I think it's very clear that he gets the game in ball the ball in game one i don't think there's any doubt about it at this point in my opinion it would still be julio Urias. he's done it in the past he's still a great pitcher hey he's struggling right now and also you have plenty of time to figure that out between now and then he'll have a couple more starts to get things figured out but as of right now i don't think there is any doubt that julio Urias would get the the game uh the ball in game two game three who knows, man? Will it be Bobby Miller? Will it be Lance Lynn? Maybe Ryan Pepio? Will it be a piggyback game? Absolutely, who knows? And then will they go into a four starter? Who would that be? I think you just kind of have to play that day by day. We'll see if they even need a four starter in in the first divisional round, and you know, hopefully they can get through that. So we'll see when they first need a four starter. But hey, I think I think it goes Kershaw, then it goes Julio Urias for the the second game and then third game i think you go with the hand that is hot at that point so great question for question number one so question number two what will walker bueller's role be in the playoffs that is a great question too and one i'm super pumped to to answer because i was there yesterday for walker bueller's start he was electric his first pitch of the day was 95 and man the thing about him he was tearing his his, uh, his off-speed pitches, you know, he's throwing a 95 mile fastball. He's throwing an upper 80s type of, of cutter-slash-slider-type pitch. And then he was throwing an upper 70s curveball, so he was already tearing his different pitches and throwing different speeds and at different locations. He looked fantastic. He went scoreless in his, I believe it was one inning. Gavin Stone came in after him. So, hey, Walker Buehler, there is another guy. You know, I mentioned Game 3. I think he's definitely squarely in the mix for that Game 3 starter guy. He looked, you know, we just watching him throw his bullpen – no discomfort, you know, none of that. I think definitely as he goes on, he gets two or three starts. I do think Walker Bueller definitely is a candidate to be a guy that. Could, could at least come in and, or not come in, but start a game or be a piggyback guy and throw three innings for you. I think he's definitely a candidate for that. I think by the time the playoffs roll around, they'll have him ramped up to, I would say, at least three innings, you know. So we'll see, but I definitely think he's at least a, a two to three outside shot at, at a four to five inning type guy. I would say probably the sweet spot there would be about three innings. Definitely. Definitely, I think he is a candidate for that, especially if you keep, you know, not just the results. Rehab outings aren't about results. I've said that a couple times. Just the way he looked. You know, I, I thought his motion looked free and, and clean. I thought his delivery looked great. I thought the ball came out of his hand very hot and very well. So, hey, there, that's my thoughts on Walker Buehler. So, a great question for our second question to our mailbag. Okay, question number three. Do you think Blake Trinan will be able to help in the playoffs? Uh, if he was healthy yes but i don't think that's going to happen i think especially last year when they tried it didn't work out i do not think blake trinan will be uh, you know I don't. i don't think it's one of those situations to where you can experiment with it i think it's going to be one of those that's going to come down to the wire just like it did last year and you have kind of a past history of it not working out as far as trying to, to see if you can do it. And the playoffs aren't a time to where you want to try to incorporate a guy just trying to see if it's going to work. You need to put your guys out there that are the hottest, that have shown you that they are the best options you have at that time. So from that perspective, hey, you never know if he is healthy. He's definitely one of the best relief pitchers in the game. But I would have to say at this point, if you're to pin me down, I would say that the, the, the odds would, would be in favor of, of Blake Trinan not helping in the playoffs this year. But, again, I could definitely be wrong as far as that goes. Okay, question number four. This is a really good one. Is there anybody else that we haven't seen on the farm yet that might make an impact in the playoffs? The one guy I would say that would be the most eminent, of course, we've already seen Emmett Sheehan. You haven't seen Landon Knack, but I I don't think Landon Knack's ETA is this year. We'll see, okay? I think you would already have been on the twenty-six by now at least once. If we were going to see Landon Knack this year, I don't think we're going to see Nick Frasso. I think he's he's in the same category as Landon Knack. I think the guy that you could see at the major league level that we haven't seen this year yet would be Jimmy Nelson. Nelson, hey, you know, forever he, he was hurt, and he's been on uh, several different IL stints, and he just wasn't pitching very well for Oklahoma City, for the longest period but I'll tell you what he's really turned the corner the thing that has been holding him back has been not throwing enough strikes he has been in the strike zone much much more as of late and he's gone scoreless in seven outings in a row and he has been in the strike zone so I think the Dodgers probably want a little bit more evidence that he has turned the corner because the last thing you want is to to, you know you're going to have to put him on the 40 man somehow so you know, you're going to have to figure out how to get him on the 26-man roster, which logistically would be a difficult thing to do. But if you were to ask me which guy that we haven't seen yet is the most likely that we would see next at the major league level, I definitely think that guy would be Jimmy Nelson. I've seen him several different times in Oklahoma City. That slider is a big-time pitch, so that would be my answer to that. Okay, question number five, and this pertains to Kike Hernandez. We all love Kike Hernandez. We know that when he came over to the Dodgers, he got very hot. But here's the question. Is Kike just hitting a rough patch, or is he falling back? Is this the type of hitter he is? Is he falling back to the type of hitter? The question states the type of hitter that he was in Boston. Okay, so Kike, last seven games, I did some research on this. He's hitting 053. Okay, no RBIs in his last – and he's hitting 178 in his last 15 games with six RBIs, and he's hitting 232 in his last 30. So no RBIs in his last seven games, six in his last 15, 15 in his last 30, and he's hitting 053 in his last seven games. So, hey, I think Kike – is a guy that fills in holes when you have, I've said this a couple times about him, when you have a guy that needs a day off and or maybe there's a matchup that you think favors Kike, I don't think he's an everyday player. I think he is depth. I think he's a guy that you can use in a clutch situation that you think might be able to handle the moment a little bit better than somebody else because of the the matchup advantage he has. So I, I think I don't think he's necessarily resorting back to the type of hitter he was at Boston. I think he's always going to be a better hitter than that from the simple perspective that he's around better hitters. He's around a better team. He's in bigger environments, which is going to give him better energy and his hits when he gets them are going to matter more, which he's, you know, that's kind of the Chris Taylor factor. You know, it's not like on an everyday basis if you evaluate he gets a lot of hits or, or, you know, he's, he's hitting 300 or anything like that, but it just seems like because they're on great teams their their type of game really plays well on this type of team because every time they get a hit it's a big one. So I think he can can continue to be that guy for the Dodgers, but I don't think he's necessarily an everyday bat for this team, but I think there definitely is some value to what Kike Hernandez will continue to bring this club so hey i hope you enjoyed the monday mailbacks on time now to turn our attention to the minor league system there is a lot of action over the weekend so let's not waste any more time let's get right to it and let's take a trip down on the farm The Oklahoma City Dodgers had a weekend series with the Round Rock Express, and it was a good week for them. They went 4-2, the 4-2 and on the week, and they had struggled. Hey, this is Johnny DeLuca. Welcome back to the lineup, Mr. DeLuca. What a great catch in left field this was for the young man out of the Los Angeles area. We've seen DeLuca, uh, you know, at the major league level have success. That's Nick Frasso pitching there. We're going to get into him and his start here in a minute. But wanted to show you that great play from johnny luca that was just simply a fantastic play and like i said oklahoma city they had a good week a good week over a good weekend they had been struggling coming into this week but they got healthy uh, this past weekend against the round rock express nick frasso who you're seeing right here Lots to like about his last outing. He did give up a couple of runs, but he went 5.2 innings. That's the fourth time in his last six outings he's gone at least five innings. He gave up three runs. Like I said, he did give up some runs, but he had two strikeouts, two walks, seven hits. His sinker, though, was 97.2. Slider hit 93, and both of those pitches were in the zone over 50% of the time. His ERA in two starts at the AAA level. It's just 231. It's 362. Overall for the season. So hey, lots to like with Nick Frasso's last outing with Triple A Oklahoma City. Here's a look at recently acquired catcher Tucker Barnhart. And this is his first hit in the Dodgers organization. Barnhart was released by the Cubs on August 20th. He chose free agency. You know, when you go into waivers, you you if you have enough, if you have enough service time, then hey, instead of accepting, having to accept a minor league assignment, then you can just turn it down and become a free agent. That's what he did. So he became a free agent, signed with the Dodgers on Friday. He's played in parts of 10 Major League seasons. He has 2,855 Major League at-bats. His OPS at the Major League level is 675, so probably more depth than anything in the organization. I don't think he's a guy that will make the playoff roster. Of course, you never can tell. Colton Wong came in and just set the world on fire at the AAA level, got promoted, so that was fantastic. So, hey, you never know, but I wouldn't think that – that. Uh, Tucker Barnhart would make a postseason roster, but you never know. So here's his first hit at in the Dodgers organization at the AAA level with Oklahoma City. Tucker Barnhart. This is six foot five left-hander John Rooney. He opened on I believe Saturday for Oklahoma City. The days can kind of run together as you get a weekend going. I haven't talked to you since Friday. Went two scoreless innings. Did not give up a hit. Rooney lowered his ERA to three forty. And he's given up just one run in his last 6.1 innings. That's over five outings. So, John Rooney, the young man out of Scatticoke, New York, doing a fantastic job. By the way, had a chance to communicate with him. He started throwing a changeup this week. And that changeup, he said, feels great coming out of his hand. It looks great. His cutter was over 90. So, John Rooney looking good. Had a chance to talk to Tyson Miller for a minute or two as he was leaving the stadium yesterday. Didn't talk to him about any of his performances or anything. Just kind of, hey, introduced myself, who I was. Asked if he might be interested in doing an interview in the future. So he said, hey, no problem. Just message me and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get it done. So hopefully next time I go to AAA Oklahoma City and watch a game, I will be interviewing Tyson Miller. Excited about that. The Dodgers, man, they are the master of transactions. So Tyson Miller was DFA'd, the Mets pick him up on waivers, the Mets then DFA him, then he gets picked up by the Dodgers again, the Dodgers send him straight to Los Angeles, then they DFA him again, and then they assign him to A. which, hey, he could have turned down the, the minor league assignment like he did with the Mets, but he chose not to, he chose go, to go back to A, Oklahoma City. One is because Cal Baptist is where he went to college. He's from the Los Angeles area. So, hey, like he told me yesterday when I was talking to him, it was great to be back home for a couple days. So he wants to be with the Dodgers. That's the great thing about him. He is talented. You know, hey, not unbelievable high velo, but good movement to him. So, hey, he chose to be with the Dodgers. He chose a minor league assignment over You know, becoming a free agent again and maybe signing with a team that might put him on a major league roster. So that tells you where his head is at right now in terms of being all in with the Dodgers. And it's a win-win situation. As you can tell by Miller accepting that minor league assignment, it's obviously a win-win because he's happy to be with the Dodgers. He got exposure. He got major league experience. The Dodgers got two scoreless major league innings, and now they have depth. So win-win all across the board. So kudos to the Dodgers for making this whole situation happened. Alec the left-hander out of Madtown, Madera, California, Fresno area, 95.9 in the fastball, as high as 23.83 on the spin, which is good. And he's listed as a slider change curve. I don't always trust baseball savant. I don't probably think that was his exact mix. Look how that fastball carried the bottom of the zone right there. One walk, uh, one strikeout, no walks. and Just one hit given up in his last performance. This was Saturday night gamboa's era is down to 253 on the year man this dude has had a really really good year and a year where he described it was a year that the rubber was going to meet the road his whip is 117 average against just 176 so great year for alec gamboa keep grinding finish strong so i mentioned jimmy nelson in the monday mailbag where i think he's the guy that that we haven't seen yet that would be the only guy i think there's that good slider That we haven't seen at the major league level yet. That I think we might, you know, we could. He would be the most eminent as far as that we could see at the major league level that we haven't seen yet at LA. Okay, so he has turned a corner. I mentioned that. So let me get to let me let me dive into some of his numbers. Seven scoreless outings in a row. Twelve strikeouts in his last four outings, and he has not issued a walk in his last four outings. Has not issued a walk in his last four outings, which has been his main issue, like I mentioned in the Monday mailbag session fastball 95.3 so his velo looks good slider that slider that we've seen a couple times on this video 44 inches that right there 44 inches of vertical break so the movement is great on jimmy nelson's pitches and he's also been in the zone as well so hey jimmy nelson i think he's turned a corner i think the dodgers have taken note i think they probably want a little bit more evidence that he has turned that corner but if they get it uh, you know, I don't I don't know how all the, the roster stuff would work. The transactions are crazy. There's that great slider. But like I said, hey he he looks like he is turning a corner right now in the Dodgers organization. Another guy that I'm sure Dodgers fans are interested in, Ken Giles threw it. The craziest scoreless inning a pitcher could ever throw without giving up a run he he retired the first two hitters fairly easily then he gave up an infield hit then he hit a a guy then he walked a guy then a guy hit a home run that was a blast looked like it's going to be fair it just went foul at the last moment so now you have a foul ball bases loaded then he struck out the last hitter It was a pretty cool deal. It was pretty crazy. And by the end of it, your head was a little bit swimming, trying to figure out how in the world he escaped, not giving up a run there. So Ken Giles wanted to show you his performance. Wander Suero, a guy that we saw early on with the Los Angeles Dodgers. A guy with doesn't have just incredible velo, but he does have good cut to his fastball. 92.5, and that thing has 22 inches of vertical break. So when you combine the, the movement of the pitch with the velo, it's been successful, at least at the AAA level. He had modest success at the LA level. Haven't seen him again. He got off to a really good start, especially at the AAA level. Got off to a good start with LA, then got roughed up a little bit sent back down and we have not seen him again but wander suero is era 347 whip one fourteen fifty-one 51 strikeouts 21 walks and 46.2 innings this was his third scoreless outing in a row for wander suero so i hey, just want to show you him and how he's doing down on the farm so this isn't prospect related but this was down on the farm this is yesterday got to go watch walker bueller in his rehab outing and I got to sit behind home plate, got to watch him throw his bullpen, got to watch him do his long toss, got to do all that, try not to get in their way. Lisa Johnson, Alex Friedman, they are so kind in giving me media passes and letting me have access to, you know, before the game to, to interview guys and then to also have access to watch their process. So, hey, that was super fun. Walker Bueller was 95 on his four seam. Upper 80s on his cutter, 94 on his sinker, mid 70 on his curve, and 83 on his slider. So he was very good. Like I said, he, he tiered his his different pitches. He had different speeds. He he had the 94 on the sinker, he had the 95 in the forcing, then he went all the way down to mid 70s on the curve, and he also had a mid 80s type slider pitch. So the, the mix was very good yesterday. Here is some of the live action for Walker Buehler. You can see the balls coming out of his hand pretty effortlessly and it's you know that ride at the top of the zone's pretty good coming you know like i said there's going to be some refinement to do but i think you can see right here there is absolute zero laboring to that pitch right there getting into the strike zone very fluid coming out of his hand you know with with very little effort that's a good little cutter pitch right there so he went Two innings scoreless. There's a good slider. Two innings scoreless. Two strikeouts. No walks. No hits. Walker Buehler, good fastball, top of the zone there. Great start to his rehab. We will definitely keep an eye on him. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He would solve a lot of problems if he could just, like I said earlier, just give you a three inning start, you know, and pitch as well as you did yesterday. So Walker Buehler, good to see him in his rehab outing with Triple A Oklahoma City. This is an open-faced look from the home run yesterday of Oscar Mercado, big dude that was released by the Padres. Great athlete. I couldn't believe how well he ran as I watched him run around the bases. The dude can put pick him up and put him down. He has had success with A Oklahoma City, and he hit this home run yesterday for Oklahoma City, and it was a absolute bomb. Mercado, I've enjoyed watching him play. Like I said, because you know he's one of those guys, it's always fun to see the, the injection of new talent come in at the minor league level because there's just a different energy. They're excited to be there. It just brings it, you know, just kind of, you get that monotonous of the everydayness. So it's been fun watching Oscar Mikado. There's his first home run. Good to see Miguel Vargas, who destroyed home run number seven. This was a base hit here, but he hit home run number seven later in the game. And I'll tell you what, I was in the press box when he actually hit it right this is a good open face at bad for him i was in the press box when he hit it and i can tell you all the people for the oklahoma city dodgers that run the pitch clock that do all the the you know the social media work and they do the scoreboard i was in that room and i can tell you when he hit it everybody in that press box was like oh wow he hit that ball to the moon You know, it was only listed at 392 feet, so whenever everybody found out about that, you know, hey, that it was only 392, they're like, man, that seems off, because, boy, it sure looked like, And you know, those guys, those people see every single pitch of every single game. They see every single home run that's hit there, and I'm telling you, they were very impressed with the home run he hit last night, listed at 102.9 off the bat. So wanted to give you a good look from the open face of Miguel Vargas. Super excited to get to see Gavin Stone pitch again. Yesterday went six scoreless, gave up just one hit, one walk, and had seven strikeouts. Stone touched 94.9 on his four seam, and his movement was 19 inches of vert. Here's a good look at him right there, 11 inches of horizontal break. A good look at his motion there. That's in between innings. And then here he is actually against the pitcher. I'm going to give you a from-behind-home plate, view of him too as well but i wanted to give you a close-up of what he looks like whenever he's actually in the stretch and he's competing and the effort that he gives releasing The baseball. His cutter yesterday touched 93. It was in zone 54% of the time. So his cutter was definitely his best pitch yesterday. 25 26 on the spin for that cutter. So it was a good pitch. His sinker was 96.2. I love his sinker pitch. So, hey, using movement. I've said this all the time about Gavin Stone. He's not a ride velo type guy. He is a movement guy. Work away from the barrels. Don't worry about the strikeouts. Just get it in the zone use the movement to get away from the barrels that's the type of pitcher gavin stone is that's the type of pitcher he was yesterday so i hope you've enjoyed the view from field level of gavin stone and his outing with triple a oklahoma city and don't you know backing up and piggybacking off of walker buehler that gave him some extra energy and some extra excitement gavin stone this is james jones left-hander i was super excited to get some video of him close up i've talked about his plight you know i believe 35 years old and he was a an outfielder forever and then said trying to resurrect his career by becoming a pitcher and here he is just one step away from the major league so i wanted to get good video of him there he is you can kind of see it's a a slingshot type of deal he's been throwing pretty well with triple a oklahoma city so hey his arm is live his arm is loose i wanted to give you a look at james jones so we saw the leather from Johnny DeLuca. How about the offense? He had two hits yesterday, three RBIs, and got on base three times. Johnny DeLuca, since returning off the IL, hitting 327 at the AAA level. OPS, 1026, and he's nine for his last 20 with two home runs. Four doubles, seven RBIs. So Johnny DeLuca playing absolutely great offense for triple a oklahoma city he's playing very good defense i love the energy just an absolutely great athlete i wanted to give you an entire bat here just to kind of show you how hitters i like to watch how hitters take how they foul off just the whole thing and then there's a base hit up the middle so johnny Deluca is playing great baseball for triple a oklahoma city and finally justin your check for oklahoma city two hits for triple a oklahoma city and rbi was on base three times your check, I've talked about all the time. You know, that tweener guy doesn't hit a whole lot of home runs, but he's the first baseman, but he does hit very well. Raised his average of 270, OPS 800. So, a very good year for the lefty out of Binghamton. He had 333 in August, and he's two for three so far in September. So, I'm like he almost always does, finishing strong, Justin. Your check. Even though Vargas has been very, very hot as of late, boy, he just destroyed this home run to Elgin Street and beyond. Actually, he hit a home run yesterday. This was his home run from Saturday night. His home run yesterday went all the way to Elgin Street. He has hits in five of his last six games, and he is nine for his last 21 with two doubles and 3 home runs and that's in his last 6 games. So Eamon Vargas has been playing very good offense. I call him the machine because he gets on base a lot for the Dodgers. Matter of fact, he's gotten on base in 9 of his last 10 games. So Eamon Vargas playing good offense. Antonio Knowles another pitcher for the Double-A Tulsa Drillers that has a lot of talent. He has a great slider. He threw 2 scoreless innings on Saturday night, gave up no hits. ERA on the year for Antonio Knowles just 388. That's across two levels, both high A and double A. 65 strikeouts on the year for Knowles, 53.1 innings and his average against is just 176. So a good year for Antonio Knowles and he's been pitching well as of late. First pitch of Aldri Acosta's outing had run into it. You know, run, that run, that run, arm side run, I should say, into a right-hander, induced weak contact. Imagine that. Then he got two weak con, uh, weak ground balls to for the second and third outs. That is Aldri Acosta to a T, weak contact, movement, not incredible velo. Just move off the barrel, get a whole bunch of ground balls. That's as predictable as Austin Gothier getting an opposite field hit. Of course, I joke a little bit, but not really. That is those two guys' games, and they are very, very good at it. Acosta went scoreless in his one-inning Saturday night. He's looking to finish 2023 strong. Hey, a guy I think you really need to start paying attention to, Kevin Gowdy. He's out of Santa Barbara. He's been with the Phillies. He's been with the Rangers, came over to the Dodgers this past offseason. He added a two-seam this past offseason. And it was 97, then 98 in its first two pitches of the inning. I apologize for the video being choppy. There's nothing I can do right here. Okay, and I've sat next to the analytics people at Tulsa, and I can tell you that their radar gun in-house is accurate. So I do trust that 97. I do trust that 98. I trust the velo numbers that were being put up on that radar gun. So, hey, Kevin Gowdy's a guy that he's getting a lot of movement on his pitches. That is Austin Gothier right there from his second base position in a shift. Hey, I trust those Velo numbers at 97-98. He's getting great movement. I'll bet you he's getting above 20 inches, uh, both vert and horizontal movement with that that sinker. So when you're talking about 97-98 with that kind of movement, that's a guy that you need to start paying attention to So Kevin Gowdy has been doing a great job. He's gone six of his last seven outings scoreless. Ryan Sublette, a young man who has a three-quarter slot, but, you know, he still stays behind the baseball. I have that on my feature of him if you'd like to check that out. Hey, he struggled to throw strikes from time to time this season, but when he's in the zone, he is simply fantastic. And, boy, was he in the zone last night. He just pitched very, very well. And, hey, when he's in the zone, and when he is you know he it's up to him when he's in the zone and he's throwing well he absolutely gets out. He's one of the toughest guys to hit. I posted about it a couple times his average against are absolutely elite for every single month of the year. Just so like I said it's just up to him matter of if the ball is in the strike zone and when it is he is very 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 good. Welcome back Jose Ramos, man, I tell you what, he takes that outer half of the pitch and he hits it up the middle to left center and when he does that it just looks so sweet. When things go right for him, hey, he had been on the IL from August 5th until the beginning of this month. He got activated again at the beginning of September. Today was his first hit back in his third game. Once he got the lid off, he got two hits. So it was great to see Jose Ramos back in the lineup. These double A Tulsa drillers, that's River Ryan there, coaching first base. That means that he pitched yesterday for River Ryan. So hey, that's usually how they do it at the double A level if they don't have a coach available at the time, which. Henny, their head, their, their head manager, he has actually been having cancer treatments as of late, so he has not been in the dugout. So, River Ryan coaching a little bit of first base. Hey, when things go right for Jose Ramos, you can see here, that's as sweet as it gets. That swing right there. And I love how he got to that inside pitch, stayed inside of it, and was able to get the barrel just dropped. He just really, on that pitch, as you can see, just kind of dropped the, the barrel down to the ball. Let me back it up just a little bit more here. You can see right there. Inside pitch just dropped the barrel right down to it, stayed inside the baseball, and hit it right back up the middle. So you got to like that from Jose Ramos. Usnell Diaz continues to be one of the hottest hitters on the planet. He racked up two more hits last night for Tulsa. That's his 11th multi hit game since the beginning of August. And he hit 390 in August last month. OPS 1208, and he's four for his first eight. So far in September. So Euston El Diaz continues to be very hot at the plate for the AA Tulsa drillers. Ben Kasperius had another good outing. Hey, I've talked I've done several different times that the results are gonna come for Ben Kasperius, and we're starting to see it. He went five innings. He did give up two runs. Hey, that's a good start, though. He had eight strikeouts, two walks, just four hits. Then there's more results coming for this guy. I'm just telling you. The results are going to come for Ben Kasparius. He's been refining his mix all year long. Look at that breaking ball. And, hey, he's always had one of the dirtiest repertoires of any pitcher in the organization, meaning the break on his pitches, you know, the, the way that it breaks late, the tight spin, the way that it breaks hard, all that kind of stuff combined with the velo. He's always been extremely dirty. What's happened to him this year is he's really worked on refining all that and making it actually pay off in games. And he's starting to do that. And so the results train is coming for Ben Kasparius. Good to see Jake Polarski back and doing what he does. We know he can throw over 100 miles an hour. And, hey, the numbers don't necessarily look pretty for Polarski. But by and large on this year, he has been very good. Matter of fact, he has 23 scoreless outings. And when you're a reliever, you know, one or two bad outings can really skew your ERA. So I don't really necessarily worry about the era from that perspective he's been pretty consistent throughout the year and then he's also been hurt and then like for instance last night let me give you some context he pitched two innings his first five outs came very fast then he gave up a an infield base hit then a guy had a bunt base hit on him uh, you know and then the only base hit that he gave up uh, that actually was decently hit hard Was hit to right field. So he only gave up one ball in two innings that was hit decently hard. And it was because of, you know, guys getting just putting, placing the baseball perfectly, which is out of your control as a pitcher. He did give up the one run. But hey, he looked good last night. So I wanted to show you the outing for Jake Polarski. Griffin Lockwood, pal, for the Great Lakes Loons, Hey, they played the Dayton Dragons over the week, and they ended up losing the series to them. Which hey, that's that's kind of that kind of sucks because that's a big rival. But hey, it was a fun fun week of baseball for the Great Lakes Loons. Griffin Lockwood, pal, loves Fridays. Two Fridays ago, he hit for the cycle. Last night, or Saturday night, I should say, he hit. He had two hits. This was actually Friday night. He had two hits, including home run number thirteen. And, hey, CMU, uh, where he's from, Central Michigan, where he went to college. And Michigan State played football on Friday night. Mitchell Taransky, his teammate, is from Michigan State, so I'll bet they had a side bet or two. Friendly bet, friendly wagers on the side of that game as well. So probably some good fun there. But, hey, Griffin Lockwood, pal, they call him Lock, having a very good year for the Great Lakes Loons. Kenneth Betancourt had 2 hits for Great Lakes. He raised his average to .295 and he had his 6th multi-hit game since the beginning of August on Friday. So good to see Kenneth Betancourt who was buried down in Single A Rancho Cucamonga for such a long period of time just continue to work, continue to grind. Good to see him with High a Great Lakes and good to see him have success. Junior Garcia, if you remember back in May, I believe it was, he got hit in the face with a fastball, man, and it, it did some damage. And he's finally back, man. I actually messaged him right after it happened, hey, you okay? And the, the, the response back was I'm going to be okay, but but things aren't necessarily great right now. I mean it, it was a tough deal. And you know, when you get hit in the face like that, 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 that ball is it's basically it's a missile, it's a weapon so I can only imagine just the fear of getting back into the box and and just you know just taking on the baseball and and not having the fear of getting hit again. Great to see Junior Garcia back and 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 playing very well. So he settled back in and he has hits in eight of his last nine games. So not only has he settled in, he's been very good and he's eleven for his last thirty. So congratulations, Junior Garcia. Junior Fernandez had three hits on Saturday for Great Lakes. That's his. That was his fifth. Uh, that was his fifth three-hit game of the season and his 27th multi-hit game of the year. Young man who's entered the Dodgers' top 30 prospects list and having a good year, Yainer Fernandez voted as one of the toughest guys in the organization. Very versatile, so good player, Yainer Fernandez. Can't go without talking about my Oklahoma State Cowboy, Max Hewitt. You know, at Oklahoma State, we the way we say about Max is he is a mood He is just such a wonderful player, just a wonderful grinder right there. He is a mood. Look at that. I love that emotion. He is one of the emotional leaders. No matter what team he's going to be on, he's going to be one of the emotional leaders because he loves playing, he loves competing, and he loves getting excited about success all he needs is a chance and he will do the rest he had two hits on saturday night including a sixth double that you just saw he, he catches a lot he plays first base some he grew up a shortstop he's played a ton of second base he catches all of the bullpens especially in spring training nobody has more respect in this organization than max hewitt and he is more than likely the Hardest worker in the entire organization So I wanted to highlight Max Hewitt Hey this was a lot of fun from Saturday night That's pitching coach Dave Anderson who's not Very happy about the strike zone Now keep in mind right now the bases are loaded What he's doing right here is he's showing That he has his pitchers back in Benoni Robles And he's firing his pitcher up And he's really kind of you know just removing Or just he's dictating how he wants Robles to think at this point. Look, it gives him a pat right there. He's getting him back into the compete mode. Hey, let's go. So, hey, he's going to wear that one. He's going to wear that ejection to get his pitcher back in the zone. And guess what happened? Benoni Robles, with the bases loaded, he threw three straight strikes, three pitches later right here. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night. Benoni Robles got out of the inning. That was a lot of fun. The Maytag, Jack Dreyer through true to one very dramatic inning. You can see it right here. I just wanted to show you that one pitch because the emotion. Boy, what a year he's having. 235 ERA. Average against 169, 76 strikeouts, 53.2 innings. And boy, has he been just awesome to watch with that emotion right there. Young man out of Iowa. They call him the Maytag because his last name is Dreyer, Jack Dreyer. So definitely wanted to show you that. So there you have it. There's our show for you today. Very busy show. I told you it was going to be busy. There was a lot of action over the weekend. A lot of great action in Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and Great Lakes. Rancho did not have video, so, hey, we'll get more into them this week. And then Los Angeles, obviously, hey, you're just kind of looking for takeaways from that series with the Braves. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. Hope you tune back in on Wednesday morning and then also on Dodgers-Dogs, which is 6 o'clock Pacific, each week so hey just one last reminder we are open for business if you or if you know somebody who has a business that would like to help sponsor this show or dodgers dogs or anything we do on dodgersdaily.net or any of our social media platforms just leave a message leave a comment you can leave a comment dm me or you can email me at dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com that's dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com so as always i would like to thank you for tuning in and say go dodgers